It's been said that every quilt tells a story, and it's so true. But I also believe every quilter has a story to tell. I wanted to hear about the people behind these wonderful quilts and thought you'd enjoy hearing about their lives also. Welcome to A Quilter's Life. Inventor, author, quilt designer, speaker, instructor. So many titles to describe Sue Pellin. She has been blessed to be in the quilting world inspiring applique artists for over 35 years and has so much to offer through Sue Pellin Designs. Her mission is to expand the vision of the quilting community by introducing them to rotary cut applique. Sue has a unique applique approach that will dissolve applique anxiety and replace it with applique enthusiasm. Sue, thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to visit with me today on A Quilter's Life. Paula, I'm so pleased to be here. This is going to be a really fun time. And I enjoyed being on your live, so I'm excited to hear your side of the story now. It's always good to have that conversation, but I know that your podcast is more about my story. When I do sewing in slippers, I usually bring on a guest and it's just an informal conversation, but it's a lot of fun. Uh-huh. I had fun. Good. Oh, Sue, tell me about where you were born and raised. Well, that's the beginning of an interesting story. When I was a kid, my parents moved around just about every two years. So I was born in Maine, but I really didn't stay there very long. The first place that we really stayed put was in Rhode Island. So I always say that I was raised in Rhode Island. In fifth grade, I did Rhode Island with my state to report on. So when I hear Rhode uh, Island, I think Rhode Island Red. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Our state bird. <laughs> Share a special childhood memory. Oh, goodness, Paula. I have so many wonderful childhood memories. I really did lead a charmed life. If I have to pick one, I would have to say it's a whole year long. <laughs> As a family, we lived in Italy for a year. I was 11 years old. I had my 12th birthday while we lived in Naples, Italy. And we just had so many adventures. It really instilled in me a love of travel, and it's something that I do as frequently as I can. And I attribute that to my mom because she was just like a big kid when we lived in Europe, and we did every free moment that we had, we would do a trip someplace. So we spent Christmas in Garmisch, Germany, and we spent Easter in Athens. And of course, every free weekend we had, we'd be traveling all over Italy. We had a huge Dodge van that was bright orange, and it had a raised roof, and there were six of us in the family, and we all camped in that van all over Europe for an entire year. So that is my absolute best childhood memory. How fun. Now... I'm assuming you picked up Italian. Oh, my goodness. I wish I spoke Italian. I picked up a little bit here and there. But of course, I was only 11, 12 years old. So my parents did all of the speaking and getting directions and all the things we needed to do while we were there. So I didn't learn as much Italian as I would have liked to. I went to an American school. My dad worked for the Navy. So we were there with a whole bunch of other Americans. So no, I did not really pick up Italian. But after four years of high school French and my little bit of Italian that I remember, when I travel, I can always get by. Oh, cool. That's better than losing it all. <laughs> That's true. Besides any quilting business, did you have other employment? I did, but it all connects back into my textile history. My textile history goes back to my grandparents. 
They were all immigrants from Canada, and they came here to work in the mills. So my grandmothers were both excellent seamstresses, and they learned all of their skills in the mills. My grandfathers also worked in the shoe factories down in Brockton and Avon, Massachusetts. And so I have a long textile history, and somehow that just got into my blood. And I started quilting when I was about 12 years old, which led to running a quilt shop with my mom when I was a teenager all through high school and college. So when I was deciding on a career path, I went into textiles. So I have a degree in textile chemistry. And I worked for Cranston Printworks Company here in Massachusetts. And many of you may know, if you go back to the old days of quilting, when there were only about two fabric manufacturers that were popular, Concord and VIP Fabrics were it in the quilting world way back in the 70s and 80s. And I worked for the company that made VIP Fabrics. Oh, wow. So you grew up with this. I did. My grandmother was a seamstress, an extraordinary seamstress that made all of her children's clothing. And she had 10 children, so she got lots of practice. So my mom picked up on all of those skills. She wasn't quite the seamstress that my grandmother was, but she did make our clothing when we were kids. And then we both picked up quilting together when I was 12 years old. We went to our first quilting class. That was right when we got back from Italy. And that was the year of the bicentennial. So we took a quilting class back in 1976. And the two of us have been quilting ever since. So yeah, it's in my blood. How fun. Now you moved around a lot with your dad in the military. Where do you live now and how did you get there? I live in Upton, Massachusetts right now. It is a small town in central Massachusetts, but it's only about 45 minutes outside of Boston. So it's a great location. And we moved here when my husband and I first got married. That was over 30 years ago. And we've lived here ever since. We raised our children here and it's a beautiful small town that we just love. So my job brought us to this area. And my husband's job also brought us into this area. So it's convenient to all of the highways, but it's still out in the country. So to me, it feels like home. Nice. My husband has a cousin that lives up that way. And he just put pictures on Facebook. And it is beautiful up there this year, this time of year. Oh, the fall foliage is outstanding this year. Some years it's better than others, and this is a good one. Such a beautiful place to live. Is there anything else you would like to share about your family? Well, I have three children, and my two boys still live here with me and my husband. And my son has a dog that I just have fallen in love with, never having a dog my whole life. I've truly fallen in love with this adorable little guy. So my two sons live here with me and my husband and my daughter's a school teacher. And she is a biology teacher in Framingham, which is a suburb of Boston. Neat. So she's relatively close still. That's so nice. Yeah, she lives in Boston and she works close by. So it is nice having my kids all close around me. I'm curious, last year I got to go to Boston to the museum. They had the quilt exposition. Did you get to go to that? So last year, because of the quilt exhibition at the Museum of Fine Arts, my daughter and I decided that we were going to become members of the museum and I actually bought it for my daughter for her birthday because she lives in Boston. And I thought it would give us a great excuse to go to Boston as often as possible, visit my daughter and go to the museum together. So we've made quite a few outings there this year. And I really loved that quilt exhibit. I've been to a lot of different quilt museums, but this is one of the first exhibits I've been at an art museum. And it was really spectacular. One of the things I loved about that Museum of Fine Arts exhibit was there were a lot of historical quilts, but they were all the way up through contemporary quilts as well. 
But what I look for in the historical quilts is applique, because that is my passion. I love applique. And what I found in that exhibit was a lot of raw edge applique stitched by machine. And we always think of that as a kind of contemporary technique, but it's not. It went back to those really old quilts, and I just found that fascinating. And it's really the first time I've seen raw edge applique stitched by machine on some very, very old quilts. So that was terrific for me to see that. It validated what I do, and it's not just a new, fast poor quality technique, which is what people sometimes think about with raw edge applique. It can last forever and it's absolutely beautiful. And if it's the right technique that makes you enjoy the process, then it's right for me. And it absolutely is what makes me enjoy applique. That is so neat. I'm looking forward to hearing more about your applique. Besides quilting, are there other crafts you do or have done? I'm a gardener. So when I'm not quilting, I really love being out in the garden. But of course, here in New England, that's a very seasonal thing. So I tend to do a lot of gardening in the spring, summer, and fall. And then all winter, I love to hibernate and garden. But my husband is an outdoorsy person, and he's really an athlete. So he tries to get me out doing the things that he loves. So I have definitely caved in and I've become a bicycler. So I don't want to say a biker because we don't ride Harleys. We ride our bicycles every weekend, at least one of the days each weekend. And even in New England, we tend to get in at least one bike ride every month of the year. So my mom lives in Texas. So even when we can't bike ride here, when we go to visit her in Texas, we make sure we get some rides in there. I'm definitely a bicycler. I love to go to my boxing class, which is another thing I do for exercise. And other than that, gardening, quilting, and exercise are kind of my go-tos for stress relief and for just enjoyment in general. Neat. I guess that covered other hobbies too, correct? (laughs) Yeah. I don't really have any other creative hobbies, just the gardening, which is very creative. And it's kind of the same idea as quilting, putting all different textures and colors together in your garden kind of relates to what I do in my quilts as well. Oh, interesting. So do you tend to do flowers or vegetables or both? In my garden, I do ornamental flowers and ornamental plants. I love texture and different structures of the plants and how they work well together. And again, it's similar to quilting. It's putting all those different textures and colors together. So I love making applique quilts where I primarily focus on florals and leaves and critters, animals, things like that. That's my way of bringing the outdoors indoors all winter long. I quilt gardens. Oh, neat. Well, my next question was, do your hobbies show up in your quilting? So obviously your hobby does show up in your quilting, but also I never thought about your quilting showing up in your hobby. Yeah, they really overlap. They're very complementary. And I find so many quilters are also gardeners. We all tend to speak the same language. So it is very interesting. Of course, lots of quilters are crocheters or knitters. There's a lot of overlap. In my family, we have a watercolor artist, my sister, Gina. We have a crocheter, my sister, Maria. My mom and I are both quilters. And my brother is a woodworker. So we all have that creative outlet, but we've all found our own medium to work in. And they're all different, which is really fun for me. It's fun to see the differences and similarities. It's so cool. It is. Yes. How were you introduced to quilting or who introduced you to quilting? So my mom and I took our first quilting class back in 1976. You might remember there was a huge resurgence of quilting 
because of the bicentennial. So we just went to a local high school and did one of those community quilting classes. I love telling the story when I do my lectures because everybody wants to hear how you got started quilting. Well, this quilting teacher that I started with, she really did excite us and get us started in the process, but she really didn't know what she was doing. When we finished that class, we had 12 different blocks and they were 12 different styles and 12 different sizes. And we used 12 different color palettes, so one for each of those blocks. And then she left us in that class saying, and now you just stitch them all together and you've got yourself a quilt. So we had all of these different odds and ends, and there was no way we were going to put those together in a quilt. We had a little three-inch bow tie block, and I had a 20-inch sunflower block, and those were just not going into the same quilt. So while she got us really excited about it and taught us loads of different techniques, we really did not learn all the ins and outs of quilting. But quilting was just starting to get popular again. So we went to the library. We took out every book that we could on quilting, and we taught ourselves how to quilt. And then a year later, we said, you know, we could have done a better job teaching that class. So we opened up a quilt shop and it was basically the blind leading the blind. We just stayed one step ahead of our students and went to every class that we could to learn different techniques and then brought that into our community of students. And my mom and I worked together in that quilting business for six years and we just loved it. We met so many fabulous people. And as you can see, it's really stuck. It's always been a big part of my life. Wow. You really grew up with this. I know I mentioned that before, but to start out that year, that is so cool. It really was a fun thing to do with my mom. It drew us very close together because we both had a passion for quilting. And I was the youngest of four children. So having that special time with my mom was really amazing. My other brothers and sisters were all off to college and into a life of their own when my mom and I ran the shop. And we really had fun together. We traveled all over the country to go to quilt market and to different quilt shows. And it just really drew us close together. And we've never lost that special bond that we started then. Of course, mothers and daughters always have a special bond. But having that hobby as well and the business to draw us even closer together. It's just such an adventure. And I really, really enjoyed every minute of it. I was thinking how special that must have been for your mom, too. I know it's special for you, but well, for her to have you as a daughter to do that with, that must have been great. I miss her terribly, even though she's only in Texas. (laughs) That's quite far away from us, but we go to visit every couple of months and she'll come visit here. But we're always sharing our latest quilting project. And I just love that. And she is a huge cheerleader for my business. And she really enjoys watching that whole process unfold. So, so neat. So do you have a favorite quilt? My favorite quilt probably would be my magical garden. And I made that quilt in 2018 as a quilt along. I knew that there was a real potential for teaching online, and I wanted to explore what that was going to look like. And oh my gosh, the timing was perfect because that was a little bit before the pandemic. And I had made my first course by doing my magical garden. I love that quilt because it was my first full big quilt that I taught from start to finish. I used to teach at the quilt shows and you'd have students for maybe three to six hours and then you wouldn't see them again. So doing my magical garden as a quilt along, I worked with a group of quilters for nine months to make that quilt. And it was such a wonderful way to really connect with people and to get to know my students in a much better way. And I just fell in love with online teaching through that course. 
And the quilt itself is just one of my absolute favorites. How neat. Do you have a tool that you are so happy you have? (laughs) Do I have a tool that I'm so happy I have? Well, of course I do, because I'm a tool creator. That's one of my passions is to create tools that make applique easier. The tool that I first developed to make applique easier is called the Leaves Galore tool. And I have to say that is my go-to tool. And I use it every single day, whether I'm marking quilting designs or I'm making scalloped or serpentine edges on my quilts. And of course, I use these to cut all of the applique shapes in my quilts. So I'd have to say that the Leaves Galore tool is my go-to tool. But I also have a second tool called Hearts and More that makes even more applique shapes. And this is, again, something I really use all the time in my quilts. (laughs) I did a blog post one time where I was in the kitchen and I needed to strip some herbs. And I actually used my tool to do that, too. Uh, These tools are just really so functional in my sewing room. I just go to them no matter what I'm doing, making my quilts, quilting them, binding them. These tools just come in so handy. Nice. As you're making your quilts, do you have a favorite part of the process or do you like each step? My favorite part in the quilt making process I would have to say is choosing the fabrics, getting those fabrics prepared, and then cutting them into the applique shapes. Once I've done all of that, I can really go to work designing the blocks. So every step along that way through designing the blocks, those are all my favorite steps. But I have to say designing is my absolute favorite piece of the puzzle. Once I've designed those blocks or that quilt, which means I've cut all the shapes and now I'm just moving them all around and making them work and building that picture, I would be happy handing that off to somebody else to do all of the stitching. And I have some fabulous machine quilters that I work with that really, oh, they just add that extra level of artistry to the quilt. So it really is a joint effort between me and the quilter. But I don't love the actual process of, I hate to say I don't love the process of the stitching because I do. I find that very meditative and very relaxing. But the part that I love most is designing. So if I could pass off everything else and just create with the fabrics, I'd have to say it's my favorite. But There are elements of every step that I enjoy and that I can just lose myself in. And I do find every part of that process is very relaxing and meditative for me. That is so interesting. When you said you cut out the pieces and then you design the block, that sounded backwards to me. I would think that you would design the block and then cut the pieces. So I'm trying to figure out how your brain works with that. (laughs) I love that you picked up on that because it is a different process. And that's kind of the process I teach my students. So I don't just teach them how to make a block. I teach them how to use the tools to cut all of the building blocks. And using those building blocks, we can create thousands of different designs. So it's really about learning the techniques that gets you to that next step of designing your own blocks and your own quilts. Now, a lot of people are not interested in design, so they can absolutely make any quilt that I've made following that step-by-step program. But my goal really is to instill the love of design into my quilters and let them be the designer. So I do things backwards. I teach them how to cut basic shapes. So we have 15 basic shapes that you can cut with the tools in all different sizes. And from there, I have a box of cut shapes. And even if the colors aren't right, I can just start playing with all of those different shapes 
and creating these beautiful blocks. Then I'll go back and color it the way I want. So I do a lot of experimenting with my cut shapes. And then when I find something I like, I'll take a photograph of it. I'll import the photograph into a design program like EQ. So I'm not designing in EQ. I'm just reproducing the design that's already here on my table. So it is a little different process. And it's why I'm so passionate about teaching, because everybody has quilt designs in them. And it's just letting them explore that in an easy way by limiting yourself to the shapes that you can cut with these tools. It just opens up. You don't have to be an artist. You don't have to know how to draw all of these different designs. It's kind of like color forms. You get a certain set of shapes that you're going to use, and you put those shapes together in all different ways to create something beautiful. It definitely is a different approach to applique. And it's what excites me. It's what makes me so happy about doing things in a totally different way than most applique quilters. Thank you for explaining that. That really helps. (laughs) Good, good. It is such a different process. And oh my gosh, we just have so much fun playing with applique. That's all it is. It's just playing and you stumble across these great combinations of shapes and beautiful flowers and landscapes and critters and bugs and birds and you can make just about anything and you're just starting with some really easily reproducible shapes oh cool i call this my fun question tell me about your worst quilting experience (laughs) oh no Oh, that's embarrassing. (laughs) I had made a quilt called Enough Love to Go Around. And I loved this quilt. It was bright, bright, bright batik colors, flowers and leaves and vines on black and white backgrounds. So it was really contemporary and pretty. And I am a stickler about washing my fabrics before I make a quilt. Well, I did wash my fabrics, but one unfortunate bright fuchsia fabric continued to run. So I got this beautiful quilt home from a machine quilter that does custom quilting on my quilts. And there was still some blue markings left in it. So I said, you know, I need to block the quilt anyway. So I went ahead and threw it in the washer and I forgot about it overnight. Well, that's the worst thing that you can do because that's when your fabrics bleed is when they sit there in the damp conditions in the washer. When I took that quilt out of the washer, it had fuchsia everywhere on the black and white backgrounds. So I panicked and I started throwing in bleach and detergent and everything into that wash. And I totally ruined the quilt. And so that is my nightmare of... Having a beautiful quilt that you've fallen in love with, just getting it home from the quilter and ruining it the next day. So that's my worst quilting experience. And I teach from that. I teach about how to remove bleeding, how to prevent bleeding. We talk a lot about that in our fabric preparation stages in my workshops because I don't ever want that to happen to somebody else. My heart hurts just talking about it. It was such a disappointment. But thank you for sharing so that we all can learn from your mistake and we may not have to go through that. Oh, I hope not. Please, please, please pre-wash your fabrics and make sure you look at the wash water. Make sure they're not bleeding anymore before you use them in your gorgeous quilts. Wow. Why do you think you make quilts rather than spending your time doing something else? Well, of course, now it's my business and it has been for a long time. So I'm kind of wrapped up in making quilts as samples for the business. But I truly do it because it's my creative outlet. Even if I were not working in this business, I would still be making quilts as I have since I was quite young. I love to experiment with color. I love to experiment with design. I can't draw. I can't be an artist like my sister is. She's an amazing watercolor artist, but I have my own outlet and it's just for me. 
I love creating beautiful quilts that someday will be shared with the rest of my family. Right now, they're all my samples, and I use them for my classes and my workshops. But getting to share those quilts will be a delight someday to have people come and choose their favorite quilts. My question is, who do you make them for? But you said they're going to get to choose which one they want. So when you're making it, you don't have a specific person in mind, do you? I don't have a specific person in mind when I'm creating my quilts because I really have my students in mind. How am I going to teach them to make something beautiful and at the same time teach them all of the techniques that they can use for future projects? So it's really about the education process and using all of the different shapes in the quilt so that the student gets the best education possible. So I don't have a person in mind when I'm making my quilts other than my students. But these quilts, I really believe, will appeal to different people in my life. So I love doing pieced quilts still, even though I do applique quilts as well. I usually add a little bit of applique. So I might do a scrap quilt to use up my stash and add an applique border. And that's going to appeal to a different person than what I call my garden quilts, the ones that are just filled with vines and leaves and flowers. So I know that I'll have a wide variety of quilts and I do plan to have a big old family party someday and let every family member choose what appeals to them. Now, I do think that my quilts do appeal more to the women because of all of the flowers and all of the applique, but some of those scrap quilts really appeal to the guys as well. I think that's harder when you don't know who it's going to go to. You've made me think about that, and maybe I need to increase my repertoire of styles and not just do these feminine quilts that are all appliqued. And I do love piecing. I just don't do it as often as I used to because now in my business, I'm focusing my quilts on that education process. And so that really lends itself to the floral quilts. And that's what I love designing because I am a gardener and I like to bring that into my quilts. So those are the types of quilts I generally design. But you've made me think about that. And I need to make sure that I don't overlook all the men in my life and do things that will appeal to them as well. Yeah, it will be interesting if you can come up with applique for men. Well, I actually have a lot of quilts that kind of fit that idea. When I do applique quilts, they don't necessarily look like applique quilts. I do a lot of quilts that you would traditionally do with curve piecing, like Drunkard's Path, Orange Peel. I have one called Hope's Diamond, which is a curved diamond shape. And they look like they could be done with curve piecing, but they're not. And those types of quilts tend to be more masculine. They're just more geometric shapes. They're not Mm -hmm. flower pots and flowers. They're very geometric. And I think the men really like those types of quilts a little bit better than my florals. Do you have a special project going on right now? I'm currently not working on my next quilt. I'm purposefully holding back because I have a few quilts that I need to write the patterns and the instructions. So what I do each year is one big, big project. And then we do it kind of as a quilt along where I'm writing the instructions month by month as a group of people are making that quilt with me. So I've had to hold myself back from kind of my next dream quilt. I'm planning it in my head. I'm starting to get it in EQ. But until the instructions are written for my current project, that's an ongoing class, I don't want to be distracted by this other bright, shiny object. And I can't wait to get to it. I've had it designed for about two years now and all the fabrics ready to go, washed, pressed, and with fusible on the back. I can't wait to get to that project. But I spend more time developing my students' projects. And so that kind of dream project has to wait right now. Sue, share a quilting tip with me. 
these days, just about everybody's favorite tool is the rotary cutter. I love my rotary cutter and I rotary cut all of my applique shapes using my favorite tools. So my tip is don't be stingy with your rotary cutting blades. I know it costs maybe three or $4 to replace your blade, but it is going to be the best thing that you do all week long is to replace that blade. It's going to give you crisper, cleaner cuts with a lot less effort. You're just going to enjoy the process a lot more if you don't get frustrated having to recut shapes because you've missed one little thread or you've created a jagged edge on your shape because your blade wasn't sharp. Now, it's much more common when you're cutting curves like I do to see those imperfections. When you're cutting straight lines, you don't need as sharp of a blade. But it feels so good when you change that blade and it cuts like butter. So that's my tip for the day is change your blade frequently and you will enjoy the process a whole lot more. That's a great tip. Thank you. Now, with the business, share with me how you went from quilting being a hobby to it becoming a business. Well, thank you for that question. It's really kind of an interesting story. As I said, quilting has been in my blood, and my mom and I ran a shop when I was a teenager. But then there was a big, long gap there where I went to work for Cranston Printworks Company, and I wasn't really in the quilting business anymore. I was in the fabric manufacturing business, and I actually worked in the manufacturing plant. So how did I get back into business after all those years? I had this idea for a tool that would cut applique shapes, and I just wanted one for me. So I went to a friend of mine, Debbie Went. Debbie's in business for herself, and she makes her own binding tool. So I asked my friend Debbie, how did you get that tool made? And she sent me to her template manufacturer in Washington. Sorry, I just got emotional there for a minute. My son at that very time was diagnosed with leukemia. He had a chronic form of leukemia that is very uncommon in children. He was 11 years old. We went out to Oregon to meet his doctor, an oncologist that specializes in CML, Timmy's type of leukemia, and who developed a medication that would put that type of leukemia into remission. There is no cure for this type of leukemia, but there is treatment. So we went to meet with the doctor out in Oregon, and I knew that Debbie's template manufacturer is in Washington. So on that same trip, I also went to visit the template manufacturer. So the long story is that I gave up on my idea of having a business because I needed to get my son healthy and taken care of. So I just put this idea aside of this template that I had in my head to make applique shapes. And we spent the next couple of years getting my son back on track. And he is currently 26 years old and very healthy and still on that exact same medication. So we took several trips out to Oregon to see this doctor who was just a miracle worker. And after a few years, I started to get comfortable that Timmy was going to be okay and that we could kind of go back to our life as it was before. So in the back of my mind, I had this idea for making the template. And again, with Debbie's help, I had a prototype made of this tool. It was the original Leaves Galore tool. And when I got that prototype home, I just fell in love with this tool. I made the tool to make one leaf shape for applique. And when I got the tool home, I realized how many other things it could do in my quilting world. And I just fell in love with the tool. So I brought it to my guild to show them what I was doing. And they all wanted a tool of their own. So I called the manufacturer and I said, here you go. Here's the idea for this tool. Will you manufacture it and run with it? And they said, oh, no, 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 no. We do that for people like you. You're the one who's going to take this idea and run with it and market it and promote it and sell it. 
And I really didn't have much of an interest in doing this. I just wanted one for me. But when I saw how easy it was to go to my guild and tell them what this tool was all about and to sell this tool, I started thinking maybe this could be a little business of my own. So in between the time of working with Cranston Printworks Company, I left when I had my first baby. And then once I got my son to a point where he was healthy again, I said, I think I would like to try this business on my own. And so that was 14 years ago. I started going to Quilt Market and promoting this tool. And the business has just grown from there to be all about applique. So now that's what I still do. But my focus has really turned from manufacturing the tools and selling the tools to selling the process. And that is all about teaching for me. And in my heart, I'm truly a teacher. That's what I love to do more than anything. And that's where my business has now led me. I teach online and I just love seeing my students have that aha moment where they realize they can be their own quilt designer. They can make the quilts in their dreams. And I love giving them the tools and the knowledge in order to do that. That is so neat. So tell me the name of your company and how did you come up with that name? Well, Paula, I took the easy way out and I used my name for the business. So the business is called Supellin Designs because that's who I am and that's what I do. I really wanted to avoid all of the confusion about using a name that's similar to somebody else's. I bet you you've had that experience where a quilter's life gets mixed up with other businesses. So the easy way out was just to use my own name, Supellin Designs. That's great. We know exactly who you are. <laughs> and when did you start Sue Pellin Designs? I would say it was 14 or 15 years ago that I started the company. Wow, that's quite a while to be in business. Congratulations. Well, thank you. It's been quite a fun ride. I just love being in the quilt industry. It just keeps me connected to my textile roots. And I love everything there is about quilting and meeting all of these amazing people. So COVID's been really hard for me to move my business from a very active show-based business to now being an online business. So there have been a lot of transitions along the way, but it's been quite the ride. I've really, really enjoyed the whole process, and I love being in this industry. We talked a little bit about you starting your business with your template. When that idea came to your mind and you actually got to see the sample of one, tell me how exciting that was to see something that was in your mind actually be in your hands? It was a really neat process. Now, I had this idea for a tool that would cut leaves. And I didn't just want to cut one leaf shape. I wanted to be able to cut them one after the other in a sequence. So I had this idea of this curvy, wavy ruler, but it was all in theory. It was all on paper. And when I actually got the physical sample of the tool in my hands, it was pretty boring. It was just a cutout. It didn't have any printing on it, no branding, nothing, no lines on it in order to show how it worked. But just having that blank tool, it just opened up so many possibilities for me. I could see so many different uses for that tool. So it was really eye-opening because it was invented for one thing and it totally turned into something that was so much more. But the moment that I got that prototype, I mean, it was like Christmas, opening up that box, having it in my hands and actually getting to test it out with rotary cutter and fabric. It was so exciting. I just loved that whole process of designing it. But seeing that design into a physical product was just really cool. Just picturing that excitement, I can only imagine. Now, the same thing happened when I wrote my first book. Getting that box of books 
in the mail, actually getting a pallet of books delivered (laughs) to my garage was quite the experience as well. All of those firsts are so much fun. You know, the first time you see your name in a magazine, the first podcast you've been a guest on. So those are milestones that are really fun in the business. And they're always something to look forward to the next milestone. Do you remember the feeling of excitement when you started offering your classes online and someone signed up? I do. So it kind of happened by accident that I started offering classes online. I have a group of followers on Facebook, and I thought it would be great to just challenge them to do something with me. So I had the idea of doing a quilt that I call Mint Chocolate. And Mint Chocolate is a very simple quilt with one square with a leaf diagonally across the square. But you have to make 644 of those leaves on squares in order to make a queen-size quilt. So I thought it would be a lot more fun to motivate people if we had a group doing this together. So it was kind of a quilt-along idea, and I advertised that on my Facebook group, and I got about 45 people to join me in that quilt-along. And from there, it all just blossomed. Once those people finished the, I think it was a 60-day quilt along, the question was, what's next? What are we going to do next? And they had become friends. They had inspired each other and really motivated each other. So they were all asking me, what comes next? And so I started a membership. And the membership is all about workshops. But I knew if I just opened up my workshops to anyone... It would be hard to keep advertising that, keep getting new students. And I didn't want to just repeat a few classes over and over and over again, like I had been doing at the shows for years. I really wanted to challenge myself and come up with new ideas and show different ways to use the tools. So the membership started as a new class every month that people could participate in if they were a member of my community. And so that all happened right before the pandemic blew up. So I already had all of those parts in place. And when the pandemic happened, it was the perfect solution for me because I couldn't go to the quilt shows anymore where I was doing those classes, you know, short-term classes, just meeting people for a few hours and then sending them off on their way. I had all the parts in place so that I could maintain the same group of students for a month, six months, a year. I had no idea what was going to happen. Well, about 25 of those people that did the original quilt along with me two and a half years ago, they're still part of that membership. So it's been a really, really fun process for me coming up with new workshops every single month. So I'm challenging those people that have been around for a while. And I'm still introducing new people to this whole process. So it is so exciting to have this way to connect with my students on an ongoing basis. It's not just one and done. We really have a wonderful community and a wonderful relationship with each other. And I feel like I've got a whole circle of friends that are in the membership. And then they have a whole circle of friends in the membership kind of like an online quilt guild, but they're really focusing in on their applique skills and learning how to applique, learning how to design, learning all the aspects of quilt making, but with a pretty heavy focus on applique. So that to me, there's such a satisfying aspect. Now that I have this dedicated group of students, I really see the progress And they are just doing the most amazing work. And I'm so proud of how far they have come. And we just love being together. And we have a lot of fun together. That sounds like so much fun to be part of. People love it. We're about 90 members right now. And it's always open. We're always accepting new members. We always can welcome people, even if they're just starting at the beginning. I now offer two classes every month so that we cover the different skill levels and you get choices of the types of projects that you want to work on. So it's just been so 
wonderful for me to keep my creative juices flowing. I always have to come up with something new, something enticing, something that's going to be fun for those members that have been around for a long time. And I can repeat programs that I've done in the past for those new members. We've done over 30 classes over the past two and a half years. 30 different techniques, 30 different projects. It's really been wonderful. Well, that's a lot, a lot of work. It is, it is. But, you know, it's, it's never work when you love what you do. And that's exactly how I feel. But it's true. I love what I do so much that it is a lot of work. I'm not going to sugarcoat it, especially the video editing, because not only do I teach the classes, but we record every class. And so that way people can go back and refer to it, watch it again. So the video editing has been a real challenge for me, a very time-consuming challenge. Sue, is there anything else you wanted to share with me? The joy of being in this quilting world is certainly the people that you meet. I have met so many wonderful quilters, both professionals as well as quilting just for fun. And I really have never met a quilter that I don't love. It's just a wonderful community, and I'm really proud to be part of that community. And it was so great to meet you and hear about your story. This has been really, really wonderful. Thank you so much. Well, thank you for inviting me. It's been such a pleasure. Oh, one more thing. Please let everybody know how to find you. Yes, you can find me at SuePellinDesigns.com. And if you're on Facebook, look up Rotary Cut Applique. That is my group that I'm very active on. It's a Facebook group, but everybody that is a quilter can join. Thank you. Thank you so much. Oh, it's been my pleasure, Paula, and so much fun that I got to turn the tables and interview you (laughs) as well. Thanks for being a guest on Sewing in Slippers with Sue. Oh, it was my pleasure. Thank you for asking me. Bye-bye. Bye. You can find more stories on aquilterslife.com or subscribe on your favorite podcast player so each episode will be downloaded automatically. Also, I want to hear about you and your wonderful quilts. Please contact me, Paula Chamberlain, through the website to set up an interview. And as always, thanks for listening.